Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another message from Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Well, in the message that you are about to hear, I spoke from the subject of From Bitter to Sweet. You know, I realize that life can be bitter, but God wants you to have the sweet. Bitter things can be painful. They can be hurtful and oftentimes very disappointing. And it may seem as though you're never going to get out of it. Well, there is hope in Jesus Christ. God's got a cure for that bitterness that's going to make it sweet. So I pray that you will enjoy this message entitled, From Bitter to Sweet, brought to you by our media department at Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. Don't forget to go to our website for more details about the ministry at kingdomrock.org or just simply download the app in the iTunes store or the Android market. I know that it's going to bless you richly. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, From Bitter to Sweet. Enjoy. Exodus 15. We're going to look, starting at verse number 22, and uh, we're going to roll down a little bit. Well, let's start at verse 20 through 27. Now, what takes place here? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this day, uh, for everything that you have planned and ordained to take place. We we come humbly before you and we ask that you would just speak to us, that you would feed us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And Lord, that you would empower us in such a way, empower me in such a way that I may reveal what you have sh- revealed to your people, what you have shown unto me. Let your word be like fire shut up in our bones. Have your way in us. Let your anointing be present, your spirit be present. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let your heart say amen. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, and tell him it's all about Jesus, would you? It's all about Jesus. Exodus 15. We're going to start here at uh, verse number 20 and just work our way down. It says in verse 20 that, it says, And Miriam the prophetess, uh, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam at Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed uh, gloriously. The horse and the and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Now what's happening here? This is when the children of Israel have just come out of uh, of Egypt, and Pharaoh has just been gobbled up, you know, by the Red Sea. They've made it across the sea. And they've seen Pharaoh, their enemy, just destroyed there. And they all the, or rather, Pharaoh's army and all that just drowned in the Red Sea. So they're excited. Hallelujah. And Miriam breaks out in the dance. I think she probably tries to stir the seat. She breaks out in the dance. She breaks out a tambourine and she goes to dancing and she gets her ladies to dance and they're dancing and they're rejoicing in the Lord, singing to the Lord. They have a great victory this day to see your enemy cut off. Hallelujah. Everybody's excited. They know God is with them. They can clearly see that God is with them. They just walk through. Walk through the Red Sea, dry land, you know, water on this side, water on that side. Walk straight through. Hallelujah. They know God is with them. No doubt whatsoever. And there is, there is, uh, the presence of the Lord was like a cloud that covered them during the day and it kept the, 
the hot sun off of them. And at night, there was a pillar of fire that kept them warm. They knew that they were in the will of God, in the presence of God. They knew. And they even knew that Moses was following God. For how could he do this except the Lord be with him? And so now they're leaving. I want you to see this. They are leaving that place, million plus people, all rejoicing. Hallelujah. God has saved us. Are you with me? Verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Sur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now we're just going to just tiptoe through the roses. Uh, Y'all ready with me today? I'm so excited. Excuse my excitement. I'm so excited. So Moses and the people of Israel, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea from that happy moment. Praise the Lord. They went out into the wilderness. Now, wilderness is a fancy word for desert. I've seen a desert before. Maybe maybe seen it on TV. Huh? To a desert place. Look at that. Now, this is something here. And they went out into the desert of, of Zer, of Shur. Delivered, God delivered us from Egypt. We saw our enemies really, really just devoured, defeated before us. We praise the Lord. And now we're going willingly into the desert. Hmm. Okay. They go into the desert of Shur. Now, the word Shur here is uh, S-H-U-R, and it means wall. Wall. This word means wall, which means there is no return. There's a wall now. You're not going back. Are you with me? It says, and they went three days, and we're gonna, we'll come and get it. And they went three days into the wilderness and found a water. And when they came to Moriah, they found not, right, they could not drink of the water of Moriah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Moriah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto Hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought unto the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Verse 27, and they came to Elam where were twelve uh, wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees or seventy palm trees and they encamped there by the waters now we're going to really get into all of this i thank god that you're with me today let's look again verse number 22 it says that moses brought israel to the red um, from the red sea and they went into the desert wilderness of zur of, of shur rather and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, this is particularly powerful if you consider that the average normal human body 
in the desert can go, can live up to three days, maybe four days without water. Understand this. So they're almost about at the maximum. Some people are at the maximum and they're really dehydrated now. Understand that. You're in the desert. Think about a hot day. No water for the first day, second day. Now the third day, still no water. You do, you're dehydrated. Your skin may be changing. So for the normal average person, you can survive up to three days, maybe four days without water. And so they get out here. Now I want you to understand something. When you think about children of Israel, think about families. There's Papa Ted, Mama, June, and little baby Bobby and little baby Susie. Okay? They're all coming out of Egypt following the preacher who is following the Lord. Okay? Now, they have come out in this wilderness, in this desert, having trust in God alone. Think about it. It's one thing if you just go out and you say, well, I'm following the Lord, and if, you know, if, if I'm not taking care of I'll be all right. I'll be, I will be just fine. You know, Lord will take care of me. But think about the family. Daddy, your little baby is saying, Daddy, I'm thirsty now. Mama sees, well, there's no water for the baby to drink. Your family is dehydrating. And you are following God. Let that grab your attention for a minute. Your family's at the verge of death and you are following God. And there is no question that you are in the will of God either. There is the cloud. We saw what just happened to Pharaoh only three days prior to this. And now we've gone three days without water my God and they've come out just on a promise the man Moses said he's heard from God and there are signs and wonders in Egypt and we know God is with him but if I'm following God why is my family going without I want you to really get in here why is my family going without when I'm following God Am I in the right direction? Yes. Am I hearing the word? Yes. You're in smack. You're in the will of God, but yet and still, there is lack in your home. Big time. Your family is at the point of death. Are you hearing? And so this says that it says that they traveled three days in the wilderness and they found no water, meaning that they were looking for water. Hey, well, look, if you thirsty, right? Aren't you going to look for water too? That's the primary concern. I got to get something to drink. Daddy may say, oh, well, I'm all right. Just let me have enough for my wife. Let me have enough. The parents may say, well, just let us have enough for our children. Anybody got any, anything to drink? Anybody bring a canteen? How about you, Ruth? You bringing it? No, I drank mine up yesterday. Anybody else? Now, there are millions of people, millions of people. Nobody got any water. Little Sam needs something to drink. Nobody has any water. We're all thirsty. 
following God. Let that sink. Are you hearing? Verse 23, and it says, and they came to Moriah. Maybe they are. Okay. Well, there's some water. There's water up there. (laughs) There's water. So they come to Moriah. I can see them sprinting across the field like uh, Steve Austin, $6 million man. Yeah. And so they see that and oh my God, this is it. We can drink. And it says uh, they got to Mariah. Now Mariah means, the word Mariah, of course, means bitter. But they get there, they see all that water, and it says they could not drink of the water of Mariah, for they were bitter. And the name of the, therefore, the name of the place was called Mariah. Now, that seems to me like that would be mighty devastating. Here is water finally for you, for your family. Now, water always symbolizes life. Water is life for us. So they finally get to the place where here is life. Okay? Life is here. There's water here, and you can't drink it. Sounds like a bad joke, doesn't it? I finally get to the place Well, maybe I can get a job, but I got the job and I can't work it. I finally get the place where I can do this. And I can't. It's kind of like you finally get to a place where you can run to the Olympic race. You've been training for years. And the day of the Olympics, someone comes, a drunk driver comes and hits the car and you break your legs. I finally am right here I'm finally right here and I can't partake of it there's something wrong with it okay sounds like a very cruel joke doesn't it in verse number 24 now we're going to get really heated up here you need to feel what they're feeling first of all the waters are bitter they can't drink them and they need to drink in order to survive but they can't drink it Verse 24 says, and the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Now, this, of course, of course, if you look at the the entire journey uh, in the wilderness, this was a hallmark of the people of God. When they got in trouble, they murmured, they complained. When pressure was put on them, they murmured and they complained. Okay, verse 25 And he cried, Moses cried to the Lord, which was also a hallmark of the travel of Israel. They murmured and Moses went straight to the Lord. They complained and he went straight to the Lord. And then the Lord did something here. It says, um, I want to see this. They murmured, verse 24 and 25, and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Stop for a second. People are at the verge of dying of dehydration. We have water here, but we can't drink it. And God shows you a tree. Lord, don't you want to show me an underground stream or something? Geyser, you're going to bring rain or something. You show me a tree? 
God fixed Moses' attention on a tree. Lord, the people are thirsty and I need something to drink too. Moses. Yes? Look over to the right. Okay, Lord, that's just, I see a tree, but God shows him a tree. Sounds like another bad joke. I'm thirsty. I want a drink. And you show me a tree. Now look, the Bible says, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made what? Sweet. Wow. So God took a natural thing and Moses, when Moses put, he took a natural thing and he put it on the problem and God supernaturally used a natural thing to solve the problem. Are you with me? Lord said, Moses, there's a tree. Get it. Put it on the problem. The tree, of course, here symbolizes Christ, the cross of Christ. He gave himself on the tree. That's the answer. God is showing Moses, showing us a picture of Christ here in this in this uh, text, in this account. Look to Jesus in the heart of your problem, in the heart of your despair. Look to Jesus. Grab a hold. Take a hold of Jesus and put Jesus on the problem. Release Jesus on the problem. If you can release Jesus, release the cross of Christ, release him, his anointing on the problem, the bitter problem will become sweet. But what's the tendency of people once we get into a fix? What's the tendency? What do we do? We murmur. That is, we complain. Bellyache. We whine. We worry. And most will isolate themselves. I'm just not going back to church. I'm... You know, I'm just not, I'm, I'm in a hard way. I'm in a hard, it just won't, just won't call. And what they're basically doing is they're just, the mind is I'm going to tough it out and pray and hope that things get better. I'm going to isolate myself, not going to go to the house of God, not going to be around the people of God. I'm just going to hope that maybe God will have mercy on me. And things will get better. Isn't that the tendency of people? To run from instead of running to. Oh, I've passed it for a number of years now, and I can tell you that's that's what happens to a lot of people. Things get tough, they stop coming. Are you hearing? But here again, so that's the tendency. So we've got to break away from the tendency, and it's going to take... It's going to take a measure of faith, of course, and and also an abandonment of pride. An abandonment of pride. Say, no, I'm not going to let my pride standing standing in the way. Lord, I'm seeking you. Give me an answer. Give me an answer for this problem that that I'm currently facing. And always the Lord will point you or or at least a majority of the times he will point you to something that is near you. To solve the problem that you are facing. Something that is near you to solve the problem that you're facing. In this case, the Lord showed Moses a tree. It will solve the problem. In the case of Abraham on the mount, trying to sacrifice Isaac, God said, wait, there's a ram caught in the bush. And it calls in the case of uh, the widow of Zarephath, 
they're going to come and take my sons and sell them to pay the debt. What you got? What you got in your house? What, what do you mean what I got in my house? I'm telling you, they're going to take my sons to pay the debt. Give me some money. He said, no, what you got in your house? There's something that you have that will solve this problem. Are you hearing? The Lord Jesus told the disciples, hey, guys, you feed all this crowd, feed all this crowd. Lord, how are we going to do that? What you got? A couple of fish, a couple of loaves. Use that to solve this. What? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So here they are all about, about to die from dehydration. What, what happened? The Lord says, there's a tree. What? A tree? Question is, what do you have in your life that is right around you that you're looking over that God can use to solve the bitterness of your life? What's right around you? It's just one thing that he can show you. Just one thing. Just one thing. There was another case in scripture where uh, the servants of the, uh, of the prophets, uh, they were cutting down trees, the school of the prophets, they were cutting down trees and, and one of the gentlemen lost an axe head. I guess he, when, when he was chopping, the axe head fell off and went into the water and he did not know where it went. He said, alas, master, it was borrowed. It was borrowed. So what did Elijah do in the case? He got a stick, part of a tree, and he threw it on the water and the axe head floated to the top. There's something right around you. If you just look, thank you, Lord, that's a rhema word right now. I'm not sure who's catching this, but God is speaking right now. There's something around you that you are overlooking that would take that will cause the bitterness of your life to become sweet. But you're overlooking it. You're simply overlooking it. Even remember when Moses and the children of Israel were on the other side of the Red Sea and Pharaoh was hot on their tracks coming to kill them, not have a tea party with them. He was coming to kill them or, and take them back into slavery. It's going to be even worse this time. Moses turned to God and said, oh, God, what are we going to do? What did God say? Moses, stop your praying. What you got in your hand? Amen. What do you have in your hand? I got this rod you gave me. Stretch it out then. He stretched it out and what happened? The Red Sea opened up. Amen. What do you have in your hand? Amen. What's around you? Amen. What do you have access to that would make, that would change the bitter into sweet? Now you notice too, he took the tree and he put it on the water. He released it. He cast it on the water. Now, wood in my world floats when you put it on water. I'm not sure how it is in your world, but mostly wood floats. Right? Which is also highly symbolic. What's it symbolic of? Well, if the wood... If the thing that he used would go down, would be submerged or go under, then that would mean that the problem would surround the thing or the, the quote unquote answer would be overcome with the problem. That's kind of like you just paying the minimum balance on a credit card. 
You with me? You're putting things in, yeah, but it's just getting ate up by interest. Are you hearing? But the father said, take this wood, put the wood on the water. In other words, the wood, the wood would float on the problem. The wood would cover it and would change everything underneath it. Are you understanding? So what God has for you, what what is behind you or what is on side of you? Or there could be a talent that's on the inside of you, something that God can use with your hands that can change the bitter into sweet. Ask your neighbor, what do you have that God can use? So I don't know, but we're going to find out what it is. Are you with me? So it goes on to say, he said, so God showed him a tree. He said, uh, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now listen, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them. Now, great. Here we go. Here's the main crux of the matter here. Why did God allow them to go, go this way? To prove them. To prove them. To prove, or another word for prove is test, to try. Now, man will test things or prove things to discover. Here's his chair. I say, I've never seen this chair before. I'm not sure who put this chair together. (laughs) And I'm going to put my little weight on it here. Seems solid. I'm testing it. Put one cheek on. (laughs) All right. And now I'm on it. I've proven it. I've tested it to discover. To discover what? If it's if it's fit, if it's suitable. Right? All right. God's not like us. He already knows whether it's suitable or not. Right? He already knows. But he will test or prove to show you something that is hidden in you. He will test or prove you to show you something about you. What what is coming out? So here's a here's pressure right now on the children of Israel. Here's pressure right now on Moses. Here's pressure. This is some showing up pressure. Isn't that right? Here is pressure. And what comes out of the people under pressure? Moses. You bring us out here to kill us. Oh, we see what's in you, don't we? What's in Moses when, it, when, when he's pressed? Oh, God, have mercy. Get me out of this. He goes straight to the Lord. What do you do? Which one are you like? Which one are you like when the pressure hits? Uh, when the bills are due, when there's not enough money or when people are talking about you, what do you do under pressure? Do we complain, get mad, get hateful, get mean, stop talking, withdraw, or do we go, oh God, I need you? Are you hearing? Now we can... We can say, whoo, that's me, pastor. I'm the one. I go for God every time. Whoo. 
That's what I do. <sighs> okay, we'll see. Are you hearing? So sometimes we are pressed and pressed and pressed so that God can show you something about you so that when a critical time comes, when you don't need that to come out of you, when you don't need that. See, right now, all, there's all family here. Praise the Lord. All family. Moses here. You can see the presence of the Lord. And it's good that God reveals it right here. But in the face of your enemy, the face of your adversary, when there's a knife to your throat, you don't need that sort of stuff showing up. You need it. You need an oh God showing up. Are you hearing? So God will allow that to press that stuff out of you. It's not to kill you, but to press that out of you. Until the oil begins to flow and all the other stuff goes away. But can you endure the pressing? Hallelujah. Oh, this is good stuff. And you can also see, see an example of this in really Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter. Uh, verse 14 says, if my, rather, verse 13 says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, see, if I shut the heaven, there's a drought, there's no rain. If I command the locusts to go and eat up all your stuff, or if I send pestilence among my people, if that hard time, that pressing time comes, what will you do? Verse, 5, verse 14 says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, oh God, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. When you are pressed, when you are pressed, let the old God come out. Instead of all the other whining and complaining and belly aching and worrying and, and all this unproductive stuff. Because if you do, right after Marai, we'll see this, right after Marai, they come to a place called Elam. So wonderful. Now, Moses, I believe, passed the test. People flunked. But because the head passed the test, praise the Lord, the people get to enjoy the benefits. Hallelujah. Hear me, husbands and heads of household, because you passed the test. Your family will get to enjoy the benefits. Hear me, moms and mothers, because you passed the test, your children will receive the benefits. Hear me, children, because you passed the test. Praise God. Everybody around you be happy too. Are you hearing what we're saying to you? There are benefits when you pass. But at the same token, if you flunk, if Moses flunked here and didn't cry out for the Lord, what will happen to all the people? Historically here, God knew that the people were thirsty. He knew it. Why did he do anything about it on the first day? Or the second day? Or the third day? When did he do something? When the, when the people put a demand on the preacher and the preacher put a demand on God. I wonder you understanding that. Just like we said before, God knew that our souls was on the way to hell. 
He did not, knowing that he did not come in and bust your door down and say, I'm going to save you whether you want to get saved or not. I'm going to drag your soul right to heaven. He don't see that in here. He makes it available and says, here's the cross of Christ. I've shed my blood. Now come to the table and eat. He always puts it back on you. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's always going to put it right back on you. You have to make the choice. You have to make the choice, the decision. Are you with me? Let's go ahead and close out. I think you're getting the picture. But at the end of the test, there is Elam. And what happens in Elam here? In Elam, there are 12 wells of water. 12. You know, the 12 tribes of Israel. Everyone's got their own well. There are 70 palm trees. This is an oasis in the middle of the desert. And they camp there. Isn't that wonderful? An oasis. Palm trees for the cool breeze. And they camp right by the water, the Bible says. So there's a cool breeze coming off of the water. The smooth sands, the, the wonderful sands of Elam and their palm trees and plenty for everybody. Oh, yes, this is the life. But before they came to Elam, they had to pass through Marai. Many are failing at Marai and they don't know that Elam is just right around the corner. Elam is about 30 miles away from Marai, about one day's journey. If you could just hold out, if they just kept on walking, if they didn't faint in the way, they would have made it to Elam. And there was great things waiting for them there. So the thing is today, as we close here, what is God, what does God have around you that would take out the bitter and make it sweet? Or what has been bitter in your life? What have you tried to go to? You're thirsting. You've tried to do this several times, but every time you go to it, it hurts you. It disappoints you. It worries you. Every time it it should be good, but it's worrying, it's hurting, it's depressing, it's disappointing. It messes with you. God said, if you take the cross of Christ, if you take me and put me on the situation, release me in the situation, release the word, release Christ in the situation you're going to see the situation turn from bitter to sweet. But understand, all of that was improving. What's in you? What's in you? Don't curse it. Say, thank you, Lord, for it. And he's going to turn the bitter to sweet. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. 
only he can make a way.